Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Get the inside scoop on how to help your child become successful in and out of school. As parents, we know that your child can sometimes forget to share the notes from their backpack. That's why we've launched this podcast just for you. Welcome to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. I'm LaWanda Tony. And I'm Helen Westmoreland, and you're listening to our Teacher Talk mini-series, where we hear teachers' perspectives on key issues in education. Today, we're talking about social-emotional well-being and mental health. We're so glad to speak to this important issue, as many major players in the youth mental health space, from the American Academy of Pediatrics to the U.S. Surgeon General, have sounded the alarm, highlighting the need for more action to address youth mental health. A recent survey from Educators for Excellence also found that 79% of educators say the mental health of their students is worse than before the pandemic. Teachers spend so much time with our kids, and sometimes they're the first one to know if something is really wrong. How are teachers experiencing the youth mental health crisis in the classroom, and what can we do about it? I'm so glad we have veteran teacher Leona Fowler here today to have this conversation with us. Leona Fowler is an instructional support teacher and site coordinator for grades 6 through 8 in Queens District 75, a specialized school district for students with significant challenges. She is also her school's equity liaison, trauma-informed care and grief-sensitive educator, and social-emotional learning lead. Leona is a member of Educators for Excellence Teacher Leader Council. She is also the president of Queens Community Parent-Teacher-Student Association. Leona, welcome to the show. Hello. Yes, we are very happy to have you here to talk about this topic. But before we get started, we want to know a little bit about you and what made you want to become a teacher. Well, for me, I'm considered, according to Department of Education for New York City, a career changer. So initially, I was in corporate America and it was good pay, salary, all that was great. But there was still a void. I was still not truly fulfilled. I knew that because of all the other work I would do behind the scenes, whether it was mentoring, it was counseling, anything with kids, I was still doing that. And Mm -hmm. then one of my very close girlfriends said, you know what, there's a program in New York City called Teaching Fellows. And they take career changers and allows them an opportunity to go to school to earn their master's in teaching. I think you should just apply, go for it and shoot for the stars. Never look back 12 years later and it's the best choice that I've made. It has its challenges. Going through a pandemic has been the biggest, but I mean, just being an educator alone is no easy job, but it's so fulfilling and I'm just so passionate. So the passion really is the driving force for me to really be a change agent. That was really my why. That is really my why Mm. in education is to impact change, whether it is just in my school and when given any opportunity such as this platform, any chance I can to just try to spread something about education and just makes it a little bit easier for the next person. I want to do that. Oh, that's wonderful. All right. So, well, let's do just that. Obviously, we're talking today about students' mental health, well-being. Can you tell us a little bit about from your vantage point, Leona, how would you characterize your students' mental health and well-being right now? And how have you seen that change over the past few years, if at all? 
So I'm currently out of the classroom, but the beauty of my role as an instructional support leader for my school, I get to see many classrooms. I get to interact with a lot of different teachers and their students. And some of them are my former students that are now moved into high school because I was middle school level. Or they're just students that I just work with because sometimes I have to do a coverage as a cluster teacher and cover in different capacities at classroom. So I do get to engage daily with our young people. And this pandemic has truly shown that students are affected. Teachers are Mm -hmm. affected. Everyone's affected from the being in school, out of school, from having the offering to stay fully remote or come fully back in person to parents not being so sure with an uptick in the coronavirus. One minute they're in school and one week they're not in school. It's so much unbalance that for especially my district, students with special needs, those are our Mm -hmm. students with cognitive delays, mental issues, emotional behavioral challenges, those students that already have issues. They already have barriers. They already have things that already upset and negate a positive day. So now you Mm. roll in a pandemic that upsets routine, which is very, very instrumental in them getting through their day, especially our students with autism and other behaviors and disabilities. That routine is key. So when routine is disruptive, The school day is disruptive. So you see Mm. an increase in behavior. You see an increase in absenteeism. You see an increase in stress on teachers. That's what the daily has been looking like now. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Leona, with the new challenges, Mm -hmm. how are you dealing with it? What have been some of the things that you all have been able to do to help slow that down and help the students deal with their everyday problems and then the additional things that you talked about, those challenges. Yeah, so what we've been doing is looking into different programs. There's several companies out here that have several new curricula and programs that we can institute. So we've taken on some new programs that will help us with our students get into a curriculum that is embedded in their day that allows for them to have an opportunity to discuss social emotional issues or the different tenets of SEL, whether it be this week or this month is about social awareness. That's what we'll be focusing on. They'll have lesson activities and lesson stories and videos that will accompany that to help them be able to recognize I'm having a social awareness moment or issue. We've also implemented positive behavior implementation strategies in our school. We're considered lions and cubs because we go through K through 21. So we go from a cub to a lion and you want to make sure students roar And for our school, ROAR has an acronym for them. So we have each student working towards responsibility, ownership, accountability, and respect. And that's helping students be aware of their different things that they're going through through their day. You want to always redirect them when you see about to derail, bring it back in. So Mm -hmm. implementing that along with mindfulness, our superintendent for the district sends our principals weekly mindfulness activities to be shared with teachers to then in turn help us as educators and then to share it with our students, those that we feel are appropriate. And then another thing that we're hoping, I know you mentioned Educators for Excellence and our policy paper in our recent survey, we're really hoping the money that we have funded President Biden's recent budget is that he requested $1 billion to help schools hire and prepare additional counselors, additional school psychologists, and other mental health professionals because we do need it. We do need that Mm. extra support because some families have really gone through a lot and it's shown when you're working with the student in the classroom. Yeah. 
I want to pick up on something you mentioned about the deep level of programming and support that your district has. I understand your district focuses on social emotional learning or SEL, and it's in the news. It's become a little bit of a political term. Have you received any pushback around what you're doing in the classroom to support your students' well-being or no? It's mixed. In regards on the teacher level, for a teacher, it's like another program, another Mm. thing to do. That would really be the only pushback because it does take the buy-in. Once the buy-in was there on this can not only help our students, but it is to help us as educators to get through our day because a lot of teachers were reaching their burnout. Like for us here in New York, June cannot come fast enough. Even with having (laughs) a day off and having spring break, it's still not enough. My sister was teasing, saying we're never satisfied. She's in charge and they have a whole different calendar. But that was the real pushback was another curriculum and will it be authentic? Is it going to be something that we're going to shelve in September? Like remember when we were doing and now we're no longer? Mm -hmm. So that was really the first pushback. Parents seem all in on whatever help they can get. Whatever you can do because behavior is just crazy. Just thinking about one student in particular, the mom really feels like she's reaching her wits end with her daughter. The disruption of school, she just can't seem to get back on track with her daughter with getting into routine that you got to go to school, you got to go to school. So there's behaviors there. So for parents, I think they're like, give it to us all. Give me all of it, whatever it is, parent workshops, whatever it is. For teachers, it was if you're going to give us another program or another curriculum and you say that's something we need to be doing in our classrooms every day, which adds to more lesson planning, then will we keep it? Will we stick with it? And will it work? That was the only pushback there. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. To piggyback, you started talking about parents and this helping them with some tools that they need. How can parents partner with instructors and teachers like you to make the SEL process more collaborative. It's not just happening at school, that it's Mm -hmm. also happening at home. What can parents do? That's so great that you asked that because that's conversations that are happening in real time. What can parents do? Because what PTAs are doing is really, this pandemic, everyone's pretty much Zoomed out. So a lot of parents aren't coming on those Zoom meetings. And if you do have it in person, it's so much fear sometimes. Is it safe? Should I come? Or you have the vaccination requirements to get into a building. But what we want parents to do is know that when you see those flyers go home in the backpacks for parent workshops or Zoom calls or presentations, come on them. Like, really, just come. If you could just stay for 15 minutes just to get one resource, use it. Because what we're trying to do, at least in my school, my district, is really bridge that connection, like you said, that collaboration that I do in the school. And I want to show you how you can do it at home. And what my school has done, when the pandemic happened, we all went Google schools. Google Classroom ruled the world. Mm -hmm. So what I did was create an additional couple of classrooms for wellness, One specifically for parents where things live there. There's videos on mindfulness. There's things on breathing. There's techniques to do for behavior challenges at home. It lives there. So if you get invitations like that to visit a resource bank or a digital library from your school that has some tools and techniques, visit it. It really is that push of we're just not sending this home to send it home. We really want you to try to access it because this is what we're doing at school. So if a student learns at home to do a a few breathing techniques to calm down. And when we say it at school, it's not new information. It's I do that mm-hmm. at home with my mom or my mom and my dad 
or my grandma, whoever is the care provider, does this with me, I know how to do it, to make that connection, Mm -hmm. that bridge to school and home connection. Oh, that's That's such good advice. Yeah, I'm like, it's not all that different, like you said, from what we would normally do with our teachers when it comes to like practicing other things that are going on inside the classroom. Your explanation of what it looks like was so helpful because it's sometimes hard to visualize, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what exactly is this whole other thing? But Mm -hmm. at least in my mind, I think of it as a much more just intentionality. That's it. There you go. (laughs) To some of the things that we've always done. We've always wanted our kids to be resilient, to be respectful, right? You use the key word, Helen. It's the intentionality in it. Like we really want to be doing it. You want to really do it with fidelity. We really want this to be a thing. And my whole thing now, my push into next year is that it becomes a natural thing again, a natural Mm -hmm. thing to make sure the whole child, whole educator is good, that these become natural techniques and conversations and talk and not a new buzz thing that's happening. Yeah. For teachers, how do you keep it from dying out? What do you think? I think for me, I just naturally try to be like this cheerleader for everybody, even for myself too. I think if I do it first, self-talk to myself, I can go Mm self-talk with someone else. Being in the position that I'm in pretty much, teachers want to know how I feel about it. So if I'm still in it and buying Mm. into it, it feeds so it's yes. like, all right, okay, Leona, if you think it's still good, we'll do it. But you got to be excited. If I didn't believe in it, I really would have to talk to administration and say, like, we got to find something else. This is not going to be it. I mean, luckily, I have a principal who will say, well, why not? And she'll entertain that conversation. But I do really believe that if we really, really practice these different tenets of social emotional learning and this resiliency and that self-talk and the affirmations and all that, it will keep it from dying out. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. And now for a quick break. Supporting the development of social and emotional skills in children is one of the Allstate Foundation's top priorities. That's why they're a founding sponsor of National PTA's Healthy Minds Initiative, which seeks to empower families with the tools they need to prioritize healthy minds. Thanks also to the Allstate Foundation for sponsoring this episode of Notes from the Backpack. Could you talk a little bit about like what impact you're seeing from some of these new approaches? Have you had any students in particular or classrooms where you've seen with some of these more intentional practices, there have been some changes in our kids? There has been. Yeah, no. And I love it. I was actually sharing with another school person. What I've noticed now is when you just hear heightened noise in the hallway, you could just hear all the chaos happening in classrooms and our students, again, with their disability, sometimes they're screaming and that's how they're talking to you or screaming out of reflex, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. So sometimes it's just really noisy that I notice teachers are, I hear the music, the calm music. And I'll go in the hallway and I see the lights are dimming. So now teachers are naturally like, all right, guys, I think we're going to just put on some calming music and pause for a second and lights come out. So that route of like work, 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 work. And this pandemic, teachers are realizing get through the day safely, get through the day calmly. Mm. It's changing a little bit. And that I think is a great impact that we're not so hung up on. I got to get through social studies by any means necessary, whether you're screaming and the room is chaotic. Now it's Mm. let me calm my classroom down, calm myself down, calm my students down, transition the atmosphere and then teach. 
and mm. teachers are feeling like they're getting more done that way. Mm. It takes a few minutes. It takes those that are very rigid and getting through a lesson a little, oh, I wanted to finish this unit today. It's like maybe tomorrow. We got to finish it tomorrow. Oh, man. I feel like I could use that at home. <laughs> and that's a shift for those of us that really want to get through what we planned. You planned out. You're learning about oceans to teach five oceans. And that's what you were going to learn today. But sometimes it says I got through one ocean because I needed to put on some ocean waves because the class was crazy after lunch. And that's becoming more acceptable practice, I'm noticing, for mm-hmm. administration. It's got to be less frustrating for teachers, too. Yeah. I've got a little one. She's almost four. So she's not in a traditional classroom yet. But I feel like those would be helpful techniques even for parents because there are some mornings where I'm just like, Girl, why? <laughs> I need to figure out how do we take it all down, down when it's like, yeah. gotta get the shoes on, gotta eat your breakfast, gotta do this, gotta do this, yeah. gotta do this, gotta yeah. do this. Because the pressure of that can feel overwhelming, especially if you're already on edge yep. from the additive stress of everything going on. So mindfulness for parents and mindful thinking and SEL for adults, it needs to be intentional for us too. Same thing. Mm-hmm. What are you wondering, Luanda? So much. I mean, I've learned so much already (laughs) just about the intentionality. I really feel like that's the theme of what we've been talking about. If everyone is trying to be intentional to help our students and our families, then I think that's heading in the right direction. I am curious, what about schools who haven't started SEL? And as a parent, How do you approach the topic and who do you talk to? Do you have any advice for parents like that? I definitely think for schools that have not tapped into it yet, definitely start with PTA president who can then talk to school leadership teams to say, how should our school move forward in addressing this mental health crisis that's happening in schools? Just put the question out there. Then that parent that is curious about it, come with their own research. Maybe mm-hmm. talking to the other parents or looking online. There's so much online about the benefits of and what schools that have put themselves out there publicly are mm-hmm. doing and use that as examples for then the administration to come back as a cabinet and discuss and talk. And then if the school seems really slow and getting going as a parent look up those parent techniques and tips that are online and you start doing it as a parent at home yourself at least you know you've gotten your child accustomed to some different attributes of SEL that they're learning in the home so that when the school does catch up to what's needed it's not brand new you as a family and your child knows exactly what this is and can be models model leaders to demonstrate this for others Awesome. I want to go back. You mentioned at the top of the episode, Leona, a little bit about the current federal funding around this. So again, sort of wearing that advocacy hat. Mm -hmm, mm I want to ask about (laughs) folks who haven't yet gotten started, but for folks who really are like, we need this in our school community, what are some of the policy changes, either like locally or otherwise? What are some of the things that you think we really need to do differently or do more of to be better as a society supporting our kids' mental health? Use our voice. Our voice truly does matter. If you have a circle of influence where someone in that circle is on a community board or a school board, 
that's opportunity. If you're not on that board or don't serve in an executive role where you get the microphone or the opportunity to speak to anyone to say like, hey, can someone speak up about federal funding that's out there? Because it's not a secret. It's there. If you were to Google it, you'll find out about it. And when you're in those settings and they say, wait, somebody knows about that? Like, yeah, we know about it. And we know it should be in our schools. It's using the voice. The advocacy begins with the voice. And from the voice then comes the work. Because from there, you're putting the fire under those that have that ability to go to legislators, to go to Albany, to go to our local offices and say, we know there's funding out there. Why doesn't our school have a curriculum yet? What's the district's budget? Mm. But on a school level, you can bring those concerns right to the school leadership team. And you can say, in our budget for our school, do we have social emotional funding in there? What's our staffing like? I think we don't question enough. And even as much as an advocate I am, there's still more questioning I can do for people, start lighting fires on the people to question a lot of things that are happening. When we're silent, It just goes like as normal. We didn't upset anyone, but we're Mm -hmm. missing out on a lot because those districts and those schools that are speaking up are getting what they need. So we need to do that. And for those communities that sometimes feel overlooked, especially our marginalized urban school districts, need to have advocates that are speaking for them. So I would say just do research on what's out there and pay attention to what's being said and then ask questions about it. Oh, that's great advice. I love even like some of the questions about like, what does it look like? Like Mm -hmm. if you feel nervous, ask because you'll find out some of these things. Absolutely. And if you don't feel like the one to speak, because not everybody wants to speak publicly. And then sometimes in those open forums when there is opportunity like town halls, there might be Mm -hmm. someone next to you who's thinking the same thing and they don't care speaking. And they'd be like, well, hey, when you go up, can you just find out like, are we going to get an SEO program? And maybe they'll throw that in when they get the microphone for five seconds or whatever it is. So someone's always wondering, possibly the same thing you were. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so true. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Leona, for joining us today. We're very fortunate to have you here to hear all your insights and kind of share the stories of the things that you've been through during the pandemic and overall And I hope that our listeners can be inspired to also learn more about SEL and mental health. Are there any resources available that you might want to suggest to our listeners? I do. There are several applications and no one's paying me to pump their app, but I have them on my phone and <laughs> free is great. Do anything that's free, but not to even mention any particular name, but just go and search those mindful apps, those different motivational apps. That's just for your own self-care right there. Mm-hmm. They'll speak affirmations that you can say, or you can listen to soothing, calming music. I became intentional about breathing, just being in the pandemic and being outside of the classroom and having a semi-administrative leadership role in my different capacities, I needed to calm down some time and like breathe or I would have lost it. (laughs) It was just too much going on. So look for those free applications that are out there for your own self-care. That'll help. It's whatever you like. If you're very spiritual, they have the spiritual ones. If you're a yogi style, they have the yogi ones. If you just want Mm -hmm. motivation and affirmations to push you through, they have that. And then on for the educator to bring into the classroom, there are also several platforms online that gives us different writing prompts and guided suggestions that we could use to get students to start opening up about what they're feeling. Feelings, feelings, feelings. YouTube, you can search songs for students about feelings and emotions, Mm. even for the four-year-old. 
notes. There's emotions and feeling <laughs> songs. And then lastly, as a district, there are several companies that have curriculums. My school has picked up a really good one. Rethink, I will say their name, Rethink. And they can look into that and see if that's a program that will fit their school. And then like mm-hmm. we did with positive behavior intervention, get creative in your schools. Think of things that kids like and have them work for it and say you got to be feeling good about it and you want to be responsible about it and then you'll get that reward and kids will get motivated. Awesome. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. And if people want to learn more about you, Leona, and your work, are there places for them to go? Yes, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Miss Boss Lady, M-I-Z-B-O-S-S-L-A-D-Y. I'm on there and nice. I'm on Facebook as Leona Fowler, L-E-O-N-A, F as in Frank, O-W-L-E-R. And you can definitely follow me there and see all things that are happening. <laughs> One more resource. I am a member of a national professional organization, the National Sorority of Phi Delta Kappa Incorporated, which we are a professional organization for professional women in education. And we have created an entire website called our e-learning academy. And that came out of the pandemic, a need for teachers to have virtual resources. And we are constantly updating that website. So please visit the www.nspdkelearningacademy. This was amazing. We are so grateful for you coming and chatting with us. Thank you for having me, really, truly. Oh, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us as well. For more resources related to today's episode, check out notesfromthebackpack.com. And please also don't forget to leave a rating and review, which helps others find this and other episodes. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Notes from the Backpack, a PTA podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at National PTA and online at pta.org forward slash backpack notes.